Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. All the kinds of things that we've been talking about for years and years and right. transforming our business, like COVID sort of accelerated that whole thing. Totally. And agree. and that's why I think a lot of, you know, a lot of us are, you know, we're coming back with a bang here because yep. uh, our clients are really starting to appreciate mm-hmm. what it is that we can do for them. That's the voice of Mark Freed, the now executive chairman at Genumark. Genumark is the largest Canadian owned distributor and recently named Mitch Freed its new chief executive officer. Mark Freed served as the company's top executive for 27 years, and Mitch, prior to joining Genumark in 2017, worked as a strategy consultant in KPMG's management consulting practice. He was also the co-founder and general manager of an experiential entertainment company. Most recently, Mitch led the Genumark sales team as executive vice president of sales and strategy. He also quarterbacked Genumark's acquisition of Right Sleeve in 2019. Today, we talk about multiple topics, including succession planning. Mark and Mitch provide some really practical advice on leadership transitions. We also talk about how to change a legacy business while staying true to your core. And we dig into Mark's journey as he reflects back on one of the most successful and storied careers in the business. We dig into his advice for leaders, and we talk with both Mitch and Mark about where we should be focusing our energies now. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Lee, you Common Skew's Chief Content Officer. On Wednesday, March 9th, we will be hosting Common Skew University, a conference for Common Skew customers that focuses on how to use the platform to grow your business and boost your sales and productivity. It's for distributor and supplier customers. We'll share everything from how to simplify your workflow to creating a killer client experience. One reason I love it is that it's a highly concentrated few hours of in-app insight, and we all know we underutilize the tools that power our business because in our hurried pace, we often don't set aside the time to learn. Well, here's your chance. Go register at commonskew.com slash university, and I'll see you there. Today's episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the work from anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more or to begin your free trial now, visit commonskew.com. Now here's my chat with Mark and Mitch. You know, Mark, there are two types of companies as they mature. There's companies who decide consciously or subconsciously to sunset their business, risk less, sort of coast on their success. No one can blame them for that. And then there are those who affirmatively decide we're going to continue to invest and reinvent our business. And you obviously made a decision to keep reinvesting in Genumark. You could have done any number of things. You could have sold the business. You could have merged. Why was it important for you to choose this path? I think when we look at, or when I look at how we, how we got where we are today, I think it's a combination of business reasons and maybe uh, psychological reasons. So let's start with the psychological. I think that's probably more interesting. You know, I grew up in a, in a family business environment and uh, I was in Windsor, Ontario on the border with Detroit. Uh, Our business or the family's business was a clothing store that was started by my grandfather in 1929. And it's still there today. Wow. 93 years later and had a run where my, uh, after my grandfather, it was my dad and my uncle. They ran it to the point where it became the uh, largest independent clothing retailer in Canada. And then uh, it was followed by my, my brother and my cousin. 
And now I've got a couple of my nephews in there. So it's like four generations. And my dad, who is churning 86, if he's not in Florida and if he's uh, in Canada, he'll still go. He'll go into work every day. Wow. So maybe not the full day, but he'll definitely make an appearance. You know, so I obviously chose another path. I didn't go into that particular business, but in terms of our business, you know, every so often, you know, would get approached and how do you feel about selling your business or what's your exit strategy and that kind of thing. And it always kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable and uneasy and I was never really ready for that. So that's, that's sort of the psychology of it. And I think from a business point of view, you know, you look at it and uh, I think, you know, we, we could have been a very good fit with a number of uh, mm-hmm. other organizations, but uh, you know, you look at it and they value your business and you know, whether it's five times, six times, eight times, whatever, whatever multiple they're using, you know, it could be very fair, but you know what, if you have confidence in the enterprise and you're enjoying it, uh, you know, why not hang on to it for as long as you can? And now, you know, with the second generation option with Mitch, who's, uh, you know, very uh, capable and uh, committed, hey, you know, you have an opportunity to work with your son. Uh, how do you beat that? Yeah. I would say if he wasn't interested and committed and, and if that option wasn't there, that this might be a different conversation. Right. Very lucky that way. Well, I could see given your heritage, then how long you held on to the, the business and just you were in, you were like, it, you strike me as someone never disengaged from the business. And so given your heritage, that there was this independent entrepreneurial, especially in that business where those companies got gobbled up um, in, the, in the custom clothing business. Totally. Totally. So independence is obviously a streak that runs through you personally. Yeah. I can speak to that a little bit, but you know what some people may not remember in my personal journey, if you will, through this industry is in the mid nineties, we, we sold to Halo. And so we were, we in fact became Halo Canada. So, I mean, it's a little bit of been there, done that. (laughs) And I mean, it was great. And that was right. That was in the public company days. I mean, I was there ringing the bell on the New York Stock Exchange yeah. when uh, Halo went public uh, or you know got listed on the uh, in New York, and that was uh, that was really fun and and fascinating. And it was uh, that was a hell of a journey, and learned a lot, met a lot of dynamic people, uh, learned some great things. Some of it was what to do, and certain things what not to do. Got lucky again. Uh, Halo did sort of some restructuring, let's call it. And they spun us out. And uh, I mean, there was a few dipsy doodles in between, but ultimately I was able to buy back what was the Canadian entity and then, you know, rebranded that as, as Genumark. And then at, at, from that, you know, from then on, we just sort of felt like, I felt like we just, you know, there was a lot to conquer in Canada and we could just sort of stay in our lane. Uh, had an experience of, you know, of an enterprise that was trying to get up to a billion dollars and take over the world and all that other stuff. <laughs> And like I said, it was great and just a tremendous uh, training ground for, for me. And, but, you know, I, I got very comfortable and, uh, you know, could do it my way and our way and really haven't looked back from that. It's a rare gift and chance to be able to buy your company back and then just in a sense, start over. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I want to shed some light on succession planning and what that looks like from a real practical perspective. I know there's many second or third generation businesses or companies who are looking at succession planning and want to know what that experience is like. So Mark, as executive chairman now, as I mentioned in the intro, as executive chairman, 
How is your role going to be distinct from Mitch's moving forward? What does that look like on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis? Probably looks like one of us is going to be working and putting in more hours than the other one. And, <laughs> uh, I think fundamentally, I mean, if you look at our org chart now and the little ch- the changes we made, a lot of the people who have been reporting directly to me are now, you know, reporting up through Mitch. And, you know, my main point of contact and collaboration will be with Mitch. Not, not that I won't, you know, talk to other people, uh, when yeah, they yeah. Are, you know, as, as be a little more selective, I guess, and pick right. and choose. And if I was, you know, 25,000 feet up or 30,000 feet up, maybe I'm 40,000 feet up now. Yeah. So I think, you know, he'll definitely be in the weeds a little more, you know, a lot, maybe a lot more than, you know, but I spent a lot of time there. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's his time. So, you know, I, I think we're, I, I think it's a win-win. I, I, you know, look, I, I've done it for a long time and uh, right. I think maybe some fresh and new ideas. Uh, I think you welcome that in terms of the transformation and the growth and the evolution of the company. I think, uh, I think the time was right. Mitch, before I move on, do you want to comment on that? Well, one thing I will say is when we announced the changes last Tuesday, I told a story about when I was in my first job in management consulting, my manager had basically said to me or taught me about role progression and progressing to new heights and taking on new challenges. And, and he basically said, you know, throughout your career, if you're going to want, if you're going to want to jump to the next level, you're going to have to act in that new role for a minimum of six months uh, prior to taking on whatever that role is that you're trying to grab. Yeah. And I'd like to think that while the announcements sound like a big deal, and they are, of course, and it is a big deal, but I do think that once the dust settles, it's going to feel pretty similar to the way it's felt. Yeah. Probably longer than the last six months, to, to be honest, actually. Yeah. And, uh, I, and that's what I think made us ready. Part of that, by the way, is good business planning. I remember. It was 2019 ASI Power Summit. The two of us were talking. That would have been like October, November of 2019. So Q4. We're just talking about the business. And and my dad said, you know, Q1 2022 should be a really good goal for us to make the transition. Wow. So with that in mind, and we and we kept that as like a the goalpost. Okay. So with that in mind, I I think like maybe my mentality shifted gradually maybe my dad's mentality shifted gradually people who were in the know sort of got to know the plan sort of as we got closer and closer and maybe we sort of inched into those roles a little more naturally because we knew it was coming so i i just think we were we were ready and i don't think that like i said i think that the announcements always sound like a big shock i don't think day-to-day people are going to think much is different to yeah. be honest but that's a really great practical tip because succession planning can slog on forever as folks sit in indecision mode. And by setting those goalposts or setting that target, there was a self accountability built in for both of you to aim toward a certain date. Yeah. And we didn't, and we didn't change it by the way, with everything going yeah. on and, you know, COVID or, or whatever, we just uh, really kind of stuck to it, to that plan. Yeah. It's a great tip. Uh, Mark, what made Mitch ideal for this role? And that's funny. That's something we also talked to. We we talked to our like our, all the genuine mark about that. Like, how is it that of all the people in the world, it's 
my son, Mitch, who's really the, uh, the best guy, you know, most qualified person for this job. And, uh, but when you really look at it, you, you can make the case, uh, you know, who's had more exposure to Genumark and what we do in our industry. And what we, I mean, it's been as part yeah. of his life since he was a, a wee child, I right, mean, right. you know, and even, even beyond that, since in high school, whether he did data entry or working in the slugging it out in the warehouse, uh, <laughs> that was really good perspective. Uh, he's a pretty, you know, well-rounded guy in business school and an MBA at uh, Kellogg at Northwestern. And then, you know, Mitch touched on, he did management consulting and he even floundered in a startup for a while. And uh, which was, I think, really, really valuable. And so just from that perspective and from that experience, that's was good. And then since he's been at Genumark, I think, you know, we, we had to kind of see how that would go. And, right. you know, I'm not going to, you know, it wasn't a free pass by any means. So we had to come and, you know, if he would have pissed off the existing management team and when he came in and not gotten along that, that would have been a problem. Right. But uh, that didn't occur. And he was, uh, you know, pretty humble about it as the owner's son or whatever you want to call that. And, uh, yeah. And worked hard to earn the respect and trust of everybody else. And, you know, I think he's, you know, he's got the goods. He's uh, determined. He's um, he's a good guy and yeah. uh, empathetic and a great communicator. And uh, no, I feel really, really good and confident about, about what he can do. Yeah. And I can really appreciate it, Mitch. You and I don't have the same pedigree, but we have, we both grew up in the business. And so I was slinging boxes, you know, um, right out of high school and fulfillment program and packing. And you learn by, by touching every part of the business, you learn so much, particularly now that the business has gotten so complex that just having your hands involved as you've grown up in the business is pretty vital. Absolutely. I'm just, just knowing what the different roles are in the warehouse. Yeah. Right. Understanding who's doing what at a pretty young age when you barely know what a program is. Right. <laughs> like that, that really teaches you how valuable and how important the team is. Absolutely. Seeing it at every level and working in the different divisions throughout yep. your life. So totally invaluable experience. And, and to my dad's story there, I mean, it totally plagiarized. We told this last Tuesday. I mean, that there was a podcast that you did with Jeremy Lott, talked about family business, and he he asked the question and he talked about how he took this family business class uh, at a school at Kellogg with the same family business teacher that I had, like really serendipitous, weird stuff wow. when I first listened yeah. to that podcast. I don't remember what year you, you guys came out with that podcast. It was probably a year or two after I joined Jenny Mark when I was probably feeling pretty self-conscious about the whole rough plan that we had had. And Jeremy told that story about, you know, how is it possible that of all the people in the world? And I felt like that. Like I yeah. was super, super concerned about that walking in and, you know, people knowing the path that I was probably on and, yeah, and it actually like his perspective gave me a ton of confidence into thinking like, you know what, this is, this actually is a good plan. And if I work hard, I probably do, like Mark said, have the goods to make this work. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's why it's important, Bobby, that you share these stories. Cause that actually made a big impact on me. And we told that story last Tuesday and, uh, we, we videotaped our, Town Hall, and I even sent it to Jeremy and showed him that I plagiarized and stole his <laughs> That's ideas. That's great. It, it was a big help to, yeah. just, in just sort of framing that paradigm shift in my mind, which was being super concerned about people thinking of me in that way, to having some confidence in you know the training that I had yeah. growing up in my dad's house, probably 
did prepare me a lot more than, than I give myself credit for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mark Graham's going to love hearing that because I think he's the one that did that interview on that particular oh, topic right. with Jeremy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Switching over to another topic over the past few years, Mark, over your career, you've witnessed pandemics, multiple recessions, not just a recession, but multiple recessions, a complete change in how we work from the virtual and hybrid. And there's likely more big changes to come. What's one or two traits unique to GenuMark that you feel like won't change? When I think about that, I, I think it's like, you know, you, when in doubt, you sort of go back to your core values. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of our core values is we are very uh, customer centric, client first mentality, and really adhere and focus on that. And to the end goal is, you know, what are we going to do to give our client the best experience that we possibly yeah. can? So we, you know, I kind of always go back to that and, and then, you know, well, how do we get there? And, and the way that we've gotten there is get the best people that we can. And we're still a, you know, a human driven entity and, you know, love, we love talent and we love to nurture talent and retain talent. And we've had yeah. a really good recipe that way in terms of keeping an unbelievable team, core team for a very, very long period of time. And that's really worked, you know, really given us a lot of stability at, at all levels of the company, whether it's the, ma- the management level, the sales level, ops, finance, whatever. So, you know, I would go, go to that. And then, you know, in terms of customer centric, but also, you know, to an extent, employee centric as well. So to that end, you know, if we want to retain everybody and keep them happy and keep them together, then we've got to look at you know, what do we need to do? So you talk about how things are changing and whether we're going to remote or hybrid or whatever yeah. it is. So we've been, you know, we have been, and we will be extremely flexible and responsive to our team and our employees and what, you know, how they want to work, assuming they can still be productive, which they can be and have demonstrated, then we're open to whatever works best for them so that they're happy and engaged and committed and feeling good about things. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's, it was a good little tester for sure. And uh, that won't disappear. And, you know, we, I think we also said when we spoke to everybody at Genumark with, you know, Mitch is kind of knows how we feel and he's been part of it and understands our values. And, you know, if I was selling to a different ownership team and listen, there's a lot of great owners and operators and some of the core values don't vary that much, but I can tell you, we'll, we'll continue on that path for sure. Uh, that sounded like a softball question. The reason I ask it is there's so many leaders and entrepreneurs in the business right now that feel like things are a little bit out of control, whether it's supply chain, whatever it is they're dealing with. And given you look back, the question is, what can you control? And you mentioned customer experience and employee experience. Those are things you can focus on and actually do something about. So that's why I love your answer about that. Mitch, you are not one to sit still and you likely have some pretty aggressive plans for Virginia Mark. Are there categories or like areas of the business you plan to intensify? Yes. Okay. So there, there's really, there's two areas. If you asked me this question, by the way, Bobby, two years ago, it would probably be the same answer. So mm-hmm. I would say we're laser focused on these areas. The less obvious answer is technology integration, uh, both on their front end and back end. So back when I, when I joined Genumark, one of the first things I guess I put my thumbprint on was looking at the business. Didn't feel like we had enough technology support in our sales workflow. That's how I met you, Bobby, and the crew at, at CommonSQ. So we brought CommonSQ into Genumark. Uh, that has been great. I would still say we're still tip of the iceberg in truly understanding how to fully utilize the tool. One thing I'm super excited about is 
elevating uh, someone like Stephen Musgrave, who's now our EVP of sales at Jenny Mark, who comes from Rightsleeve, which was an acquisition that we did a couple of years ago with our friends, the Grams. And, you know, just, just helping our, our whole sales team just really dig into that technology piece much, much better than I ever could. He was really on the inside of developing that tool, yeah. I would say. So that's on the front end, but what we plan on doing and what we've been working towards for a couple of years now, just with interruptions here and there, the pandemic certainly didn't help, is integrating our ERP, our back end with our front end, having the two talk to each other very seamlessly. Yeah. To just create a better end-to-end experience, uh, both for our customers and for our workforce. So that continues to be an internal project. We've made a lot of strides over the last year, post the pandemic, I would say. I expect that to be tied up this year. So that's a that's a really important project. So one is you know continuing to to invest in technology. That's a specific, specific one we're working on. Yeah. And the second is the obvious answer, which is how could we not invest in our people if it's a people-driven business? Yeah. And of course, I have big dreams and plans to grow the business. And to do that, we have to do that by growing our our workforce, our sales force. And just growing the people that are already insulated in our workforce. Uh, just an example of something that we uh, announced and changed is, you know, we have we we have someone out west who's a phenomenal account manager, but has this way with people that I've never seen before. She inspires people. She has charisma. That's just incredible. So we've elevated her role to to sort of be the face uh, of Western Canada for us. Her name is Eleanor, Eleanor Davidson. She's she's based in our Vancouver office, and. You know, my plan for her is to help us build a West Coast team because we have our head office out east in Toronto and can't be everywhere at once. So, yeah, you know, we need we need help sort of in all facets of our business to grow the team. So it's little things like that that continue to to invest in in our people. And you know, whether that's uh, hearing our folks and you know if there's specific trainings that they want. I mean, you can't operate a business with good people that want to stay in your business if you don't continue to invest in those people as yeah. well. So whether that's providing training that they need, um, giving them the tools, resources that they need to, to be elevated in their job, you know, that, that's going to be really important for us as we continue to maintain and grow the business. Ginny Mark's always excelled at program business. So did your business mix change over the pandemic? Did your client mix change? Did your focus change? Did you end up doing far more program and fulfillment than you ever thought? Or did it was it not that volatile for you? We did a lot more orders that touched the warehouse. I wouldn't say like they're pure programs, but we did way more kidding. Yeah. And we did way more. I mean, that's sort of, that's the sort of obvious answer. Yeah. So I don't know if you categorize that as pure program, but logistically the business became way more difficult. Uh, and listen, anytime, anytime you're shipping, a thousand pieces to a thousand locations, that's a hell of a lot more yeah. complicated than a right. thousand pieces to one location. Right. You know, so that definitely, and you know, we're no different than anybody yeah. else in the space uh, for that, but we're all, we're all dealing with that. Yeah. Mitch, do you see the world of sales changing? And if so, how? I know you have a traditional business, you acquired Rightsleeve, which was one of the, the big initiatives you had. And so do you see sales changing? I just think that Listen, I know sales in the context of this industry. So let's mm-hmm. talk about this industry. Right. I think it's very clear. We talk about this all the time, like the good old days of being an order taker and just sort of building a business that way and sort of getting lucky with clients and having like just constant emails coming your way yeah. and just having a great business that way. Like that's part of it. 
that, that doesn't exist the same way it did. And our industry is moving away. It's, it's becoming less and less of a commoditized industry yeah. each and every year. In, in yeah, my opinion, I agree. We're in an industry now where ideas matter. Execution really matters. Sometimes price is going to play into that, but you should be able to sell yourself the services we provide way beyond that. So, so I'm saying if you're just an, if you're an order taker, it's going to be really tough moving forward. I think, I think yeah. it's just so much more than also just being maybe if you were really charismatic and you could sort of hook a client in, but then you could just take those orders back and it, like that doesn't fly anymore. Like mm-hmm. Now you need to be super organized. You need to be able to use technology tools yeah. to keep you super organized. You need to just be firing on all cylinders in order to be successful. So I think it's just so much more than just being that biz dev person that can just, that has that charisma that can attract him or herself to people. Yep. It's now, it's, it's, it's also so much about that customer service component and execution. Yeah. I think it always has been, but it's just exploding in terms yeah. of the skill set that you need to make it in our business. Yeah, totally agree. Switching now to the industry sort of in a general sense, Mitch, what do you think is one of the most broken parts of it? You might've already answered this, but what do you think is one of the most broken parts and how do you hope to make a difference? The, the most obvious right now and the most current is the supply chain issues that we're yeah. dealing with. I mean, talk about broken. It is it is a mess. And it's affecting our interactions with our clients, quite honestly, yeah. in, in a couple of ways. You know, we don't have the information that we need as distributors. And I, that's the, I'm not like suppliers are, are flying by the seat of their pants because yeah. things are changing all day, every day. I think technology tools like an integration through promo standards where you have live information telling you exactly what inventory is on hand what the price is today because the price is changing literally it's it's one price one day and it could be another price the next day yeah like you know having to quote something and then go back to your client two days later because the information you thought you had was actually now incorrect like that's just a broken yeah. bad way to talk to your clients and it's really out of a lot of people's control so i think that tools like that common skew promo standard integration will certainly help us it's not going to Totally get rid of it. I mean, I think unfortunately it's one of those things where time is gonna. Well, we got a. It's a global issue across yeah. all industries. I mean, uh, yeah. absolutely. But I think for us, it's it makes things really, really difficult, and it also makes it really hard to keep up with the speed of like the business demands too that we have from our clients. Yeah. So I, to me, that is that's fundamentally broken right now. That I think it will get fixed with time. Yeah. Like Mark said, it'll it'll get fixed sort of hopefully across all industries, but it's it, it also makes us just so much more inefficient. You know, if you used to be able to to quote a hundred piece order in ten minutes, it could take 10, 10 times as long to find that exact piece for the right price. It's just just makes it incredibly difficult. Yeah. You add that to the business has gotten infinitely more complex than it, than I think it was at one time for everyone. Then it just really is a recipe for chaos. Mark, where do you think it's most important for leaders to invest now? You know, we talked about technology. I, you know, I'm, we're, we are really focused on supply chain right now. And, and just further to what Mitch said, I think there's the whole building that relationship with your key partners or vendors or suppliers. I, you know, and really digging deep and finding out what it is that we need or what it is that our customers need and having them understand where we need to be and whether it's a product or whether it's timelines or whether it's sustainability, which is huge. And just that education 
and building great relationships with great suppliers. I think that's been the most uh, volatile area the last year or so after we sort of got through the initial yeah. phase of COVID. So, you know, I think as an organization, we want, and we've done some stuff internally really to get better in terms of that, in terms of, you know, consolidating our, our best supplier partners and really having them understand our business and building strength and building trust and reliability. Yeah. I think that helps a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, some of the wildcard stuff that's out there right now. So we, yeah. uh, we're going to do what we can and invest the time. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily a dollars and cents investment, but it's just a real focus. You know, we look at our customers and for sure that's a given, but I think there's the other half as well that can't be uh, neglected. Yeah. What I love about what you said too is strengthening those supplier relationships. I remember I went through the same, not near as difficult as it is now, but went going through the same experience where we were reducing the number of supplier partners, but we were amping up sort of our partnership with our key suppliers. And I remember sitting down with our PL with actually about 10 suppliers and going, I just want you to kind of understand our business a little bit better. And that was like a watershed moment for me. That was like me entering into a better relationship with supplier in a very tactical way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, sometimes they just don't know because no one ever explained it to them, you know, right, and, right. you know, yeah. not, not necessarily their fault. And, you know, so uh, yeah, yeah, I think you can really make great strides that way. Yeah. We talked a lot about the challenges. What inspires you most now? And Mitch, I want to ask you this too, but Mark, as you look at the industry, you've seen so many changes through the years. What inspires you most about this particular place and time and where we're at? Yeah, I'm, and I think truly it is an inspirational time. And, and, you know, when you look at the pandemic and everything and the, the first month or so when like the bottom fell out completely from what we were doing, I mean, it's like, you know, do we have a business? Like what, what right. the hell? Right. And that was, that was a little scary. And then, you know, then I think for a short term, it was sort of that run to uh, PPE. And, you know, when we did, we dabbled a little bit, we were fine. I don't think that was, I mean, we were, it, it didn't transform our business. You know, I think that was a great hustle business and commodity based business for a short period of time. And that's really, you know, we're sort of more of the slow sell in the relationship and coming up with great, you know, creative curated uh, uh, promotional or uh, apparel uh, programs for our customers. So, you know, that was for the short term. Then I think what it then evolved to what we saw is how this whole using our products and our merchandise really for call it brand elevation. Yeah. And really showcasing yep. our customers, you know, their DNA and using our products for company morale and solidarity and rewarding people for all the kinds of things that we've been talking about for years and years and right. transforming our business. Like COVID sort of accelerated that whole thing. Totally. And agree. and that's why I think a lot of, you know, a lot of us are, you know, we're coming back with a bang here because yep. uh, our clients are really starting to appreciate. Mm -hmm. what it is that we can do for them. And, you know, in having some really great marketing campaigns, uh, HR now more than ever, really understanding how our product, somebody gets a kit working at home and, you know, keeping, how do you keep them motivated and engaged yeah. and seeing the value of that? It's, it's never been better. So, you know, I think us and like a lot of the really good companies in, in our industry have done a phenomenal job and I think it's a win-win for everybody. So I think, yeah, I think that's really been inspirational. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Mitch, how about you? What excites you about this business now? That is definitely the obvious story and one that we talk about all the time. Yeah. I'll just add to that. I went on a walk with someone this weekend and, and he was telling me that he had heard of a friend who just started working at a company and they asked 
him a question like, pick a gift for someone. You could pick significant other, you know, sibling or your dog or something or a pet. And that company then gifted that significant other and said, hey, you know, your significant other just started with us. Thanks for lending him or her to us. Here's a token of our appreciation. It's like, talk about affecting culture. Now you've won over that person's spouse (laughs) or partner. Right. Look what our medium can do. And I think you talked about it at SKUCon a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bobby, which was, you know, we're having a moment in our industry, uh, you know, merchandising at least is having a moment. And, you know, you're having, what was the campaign you talked about? Was it KFC where yeah. merchandise is running out, selling out before the campaign even starts, basically. I mean, yeah. you can yeah. tell the story better than I can. But uh, I think we're pretty lucky that that there's been this uh, re-emergence and people are truly understanding, like, this whole trinkets and trash I think the industry's done a really good job at combating that that slogan. Hopefully yeah. eradicating it. Agree. Exactly. Totally agree. And, and, yeah. and the pandemic is, has really helped, as, as Mark just told his point of view. So um, I think it's a great place to be and a great industry to work in. And I think it'll still provide, it provides people with exciting career opportunities and, you know, ways to affect their clients and team members more than we maybe ever even thought. Yeah. You know, we used to think we were just supporting trade shows and yeah doing cheap stuff for our clients i mean it's so much more than that isn't it yeah it's, i agree it's pretty exciting to see mark and uh, mark graham and i talk about that that it's never been harder to be in the business but it's also never been more rewarding at this point to, to be in the business so mark you're looking back at one of the most successful careers in the industry this is really hard but if you had to distill this and you had a cup of coffee with a new entrepreneur what would you encourage them to do the most and then what would you encourage them not to do uh, what I would encourage them to do the most, I would say, is to surround yourself with as many smart and committed and driven people as you can. And I would break that down actually a couple of ways. Number one is within your organization. You know, you want you want you know the best people you can who are committed to the organization, who are good people, people you can work with, people you can laugh with, and and grow with. So, you know, when I look at Genumark, uh, you know, like our management team, we've had unbelievable people who've been there a long time and, you know, David and John and, and that whole crew. And then I look at our client-facing sales team, you know, we've got some Hall of Fame people there, whether guys like Aaron Greenberg and Marie Sobko and Trisha Miller and Tracy Klingen who've been with, like, they're, you know, really it's, it's, it's the business family. And these are, these are unbelievable superstars in our industry who we've been lucky enough to have with us and, you know, I can go, I can go with each department, go down the road. So within your company, get the best people you can. And then even outside the industry too, like, you know, you know, had great legal advice, accounting advice, banking advice, just really, again, developing relationships with people you can trust and, you know, talking to competitors and stuff like that. Just one anecdotally, you talked about Mark Graham. I'll give you a little quick story there. Uh, I think it was about 20 years ago. Uh, we had a client, ongoing client, did lots of different business with them. Then the order we got every year, we didn't get it one year. I called the client, had a great relationship. They said, oh, we gave that order to Rightsleep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like 20 years ago, I was like, what, what is Rightsleep? And you know, I had no idea. And then I think it was probably later on, a year or two or whatever, I saw Mark speak at some industry event. And uh, I saw him and watched him. I said, oh, shit. I mean, that, this guy's really smart. <laughs> and then uh, 
And then I, you know, I introduced myself to him after and then found out that he's uh, just as, as nice and as charming as he is smart. And I was like, Oh, this guy is, uh, this is, you know, and then we became, you know, those uh, friendly competitors, although we really yeah. didn't compete all that much after that one client, because they were kind of focused on one, we were focused on another area and, uh, but we'd see each other periodically and, you know, Hey, how are you? Exchange a little information stories and whatnot. And uh, ultimately, I, then I saw a common skew. You know, I heard about that. And then I, I call, I say, we got to have coffee and you got to tell me about this. And, and he says, oh yeah, we got this company and we got that company. And I'm going, I go, how can you do, <laughs> you know, the short story is I said, all right, listen, when you, when you, when both companies are too much for you, you let, you let me know. And uh, <laughs> I told him about Mitch and Mitch was just, I think, coming on board at that time. And I was telling him about, about that. And he says, oh, you mean Genumark 2.0 and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and, you know, so when you look at what we've done with the impact of that with both Common Skew and now with, with Right Sleeve, you know, it's really, you know, been a major part of the Genumark story. And that's basically because, you know, uh, I, I guess, had the good fortune of uh, reaching out and meeting this guy and uh, developing a relationship, getting outside the box a little bit. And yeah. that's the lesson. So, you know, I think the flip side of that is don't be too insular. And, you know, you can get caught up in it. And you can be in your bubble early on. You're, you know, you're wearing multiple hats and you're trying the best you can to figure the whole thing out. And you really have got to carve out that time and make the effort to get out of that space. I love that. Well told, because I think there are entrepreneurs that get into the business who are doing some great work, but they start to distance themselves from the business because they tend to kind of look down on some of the other professionals in the business. So they get further away. Whereas it's a great classic story of, you know, keep your mind open, make friends in the business because you never know where you're going to end up with that. So totally. uh, Mark, how about how, what would you encourage them not to do? I mean, I'm sure like many of us looking back, there are probably things you would do differently. Is there one or two things you would share? Yeah, I mean, I think the the only time I sort of get pissed off is sort of, you know, procrastination and delay. I, I think you're going to have issues. I mean, that comes with mm. running, owning a company, and they could happen daily. Or, you know, the big ones will happen from time, and you've got to really dig into it and gather your information and get all perspectives and, and, and then figure it out and then make your decision and then, and then hit go. I yeah. think the times we've gotten in trouble is when we knew what we were supposed to do and we just sort of let it sit, whether it was, you know, whether it was process, whether it was personnel, whether it was a not a great client fit, all those things. So, you know, do your work, figure it out and move on because it's a fast paced world out there and you've got to really keep it going and you've got to, you got to keep it fluid. It's a great advice. Mitchell, let's let you have the final word as you step into this new role. Um, what do you look forward to the most as you build out Genu Mark? Or maybe another way of asking that is what does success look like to you in five years? Sure. I mean, success, the the obvious answer is okay, well, let's look at the numbers. I want to see growth. I want to see, you know, X percentage growth year over year. And yes, I have a business plan. And yes, we have goals. I won't share those, but those are the that's the obvious stuff. But mm -hmm. I think the stuff that almost matters just as much, if not more, is watching people continue to grow. And Jenny Mark, way before me, did an amazing job at bringing in great people and then watching them just blossom into these careers. And one thing that I was really excited about last week when we did all these announcements is we, you know, in addition to me, there, like I said, there was a few other 
roles that that uh, were announced with people that were in the company and people grew and have grown into new roles. And I, I love that that part of the business and just bringing in new people or whether it's people we have now and just watching them blossom over their careers and grow into something more than they are now. I mean, that's, that's like the good stuff. That's, yeah. you know, that, that's what you remember. And, uh, uh, you know, when you're looking back, I, I'm, I'm sure my, you know, my dad can think about his career and just, you know, think about all the people that are still there and just where people started to where they are now. I, I hope that I have the good fortune of being able to watch that happen, uh, you know, at Jenny Mark as I, step into this role and, and hopefully work with and help inspire, you know, a whole new group of people, uh, you know, as we continue to, to do our thing over the next, you know, number of years. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm most excited about. And that's, that's what, that's what makes you feel good doing what we do. So uh, certainly really looking forward to that. And I'm confident we're going to do it. Yeah, that's cool. You, you both built such an amazing business. What I love the most about you too, though, is you're very approachable and talking about these things. Thanks for showing up and talking about these things, for being vulnerable with us and inspiring others. So appreciate you both so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming up with great questions. It always makes it super fun to chat with you, Bobby. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.